Hey, Ken, is he showing up in the queue at all? He has not. I'm calling him right now. Hey, what the hell are you doing? I didn't get up this early so you can uh, sit there and not join us. Didn't you get the email that you just click on the, where it says Zoom? Yes, why don't you pull over, open your email, click on it. Yes. Yes, pull over. All right. All right. Bye. Jesus, he makes me look like a Bill Gates. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? What's going on? Welcome in. Welcome back. The Hogan Johns podcasts are a typical little small summer hiatus last week. Back in the saddle again today, Adam Johns. Yes, yes. It, it felt... It's only a week. It felt a little bit longer than that, but... I guess time, uh, what, what's the saying? The days are long, but the weeks are short, something like that. That may not even make sense for what I just said, but it's good to I hear you. It's, it's good to hear you. It's good to see you. You know, I know you're in baseball mode now, my friend, but uh, let's talk a little football. It's been weird, yeah. Um, actually going out and covering things outside of the house again, uh, safely, of course. I think, um, I don't know. We're not going to get in a whole conversation with that. I, I just, I hope baseball comes back. I'm still a little... Skeptical that it's all going to go well, but that's only about a week and a half away until games are actually going to get played. So we'll see. But we are going to do football here on this podcast. Got a fun podcast for you. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. You can read us. I am at NBCSportsChicago.com. Some baseball, a lot of baseball things up there right now, but uh, still we'll have plenty of Bears content in the coming weeks and months, of course. And Johns is at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you should be subscribed to read all of that. You can get Johns' coverage, Kevin Fishbane, all of the NFL coverage, really all of sports, and there's still plenty of it, so you should be subscribed there on The Athletic. All right, the plan today was to talk to two friends of ours We've been covering the Bears for a long, long time. Decades. And with training camp coming up, to hear some fun training camp stories from the past, since pandemic or not, the Bears were going to be returning to Lake Forest this year for training camp. And the Platteville days and the Bourbon A days are all behind us. And there's some sadness with that. But there's also been plenty of good stories throughout the years. So, two guys, Larry Mayer from ChicagoBears.com, and Bob Laguerre, who covered the Bears forever for the Daily Herald, uh, we were going to have him on together. <laughs> I like how you the, say forever, because it does feel like forever. Well, Forever. Yeah. <laughs> and those two guys have always been partners in bags and partners in crime on in training camp, kind of like Johns and I are now. I guess we're like the next generation of that. Um, 
So the plan was to have four of us to have a conversation. Bob Laguerre, though, uh, well, he has an issue with Zoom. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. So we'll leave it with that as we get jumping into this interview with uh, one half of the team of Larry Mayer and Bob Laguerre. So Bob Laguerre might be able to drain four bags in a bag game on the fly. While draining four beers at the same time. (laughs) But he cannot get Zoom to work. Uh, His bags partner, longtime bags partner, Larry Mayer from ChicagoBears.com is on with us, though. We were trying to get them both on and just have some fun reminiscing of training camp time since we're only a couple weeks away from this year's weird training camp. Uh, Larry, thanks for being here. I really appreciate being on your show here, guys. Um, I've been made fun of so many times. i got to say it's an honor to actually appear in person. <laughs> but we are going to give you at least 10% of the blame for Bob not being able to figure out Zoom. Really, I accept none of that blame. <laughs> I can just imagine the names that he would be calling me if the positions were reversed. He would refer be referring to me as some very bad names, none that really are appropriate to be aired on any podcast. <laughs> well, it's a good place to start because I wanted to start this conversation with our bags games in Bourbonnais. Uh, if they're, I think TJ Donlins should actually put up some type of wall since we're never we're not really going to. I don't plan on being a TJ Donlins ever again. No offense to them, I just I will have no reason to go to Bourbonnais ever again. Um, but there should, I think there should be a wall where Bob and Larry are up there, maybe outside by where the bags games happen. Because I mean, you guys were the, the all time team there, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. And as we both know, uh, if Bob was on this line right now, he would be talking about how his back always hurt from carrying me. And I'm really kind of saying that because I know Johns would have at least said that, but I will say this one. Not lying. When people say, say that to me, I, I remind them that Scottie Pippen is also in the Hall of Fame. Don't, <laughs> don't forget that Scottie Pippen is also in the Hall of Fame. Oh, man. Oh, man. And I'm trying I, to find the right player comparison in my mind for you now, but go, go I, on. Well, I will say that my greatest skill at bags was picking a partner. And, and watching Bob destroy people was very entertaining for me year after year after year. All I had to do was break even with whoever I was playing against, and I knew that we would win because he was so dominant. And it got to a point where it was funny because every year I'd be driving to training camp for the first time, and I'd put on ESPN or the score, and they'd be talking about me and Pop dominating in bags. And it was just – it was a very fun aspect of training camp for me because it was a diversion. It was like being away at college. I went to Loyola University, so I never went away to college. Going away to training camp for me was like being away at college. So it was always a fun time, and I've done this for 28 years, so I figured it out. I've spent about two years of my life at training camp in Plateau and Burgundy. <laughs> see, I would call it more like Michael Jordan and Judd Bushler. Uh, no, see, that's, that's an insult against- to Judd Bushler. I would say Joe Klein. <laughs> And then and then Johns and I would have been like John Starks and Patrick Ewing. So most of the time we would still lose in the battle, but you know that one year or every once in a while we'd get the I cuz I think we we would beat you like maybe once every year, but it would be best of 7 you guys would win the series, you know, four, in 5 games. I think you got to really give me maybe John Paxson. 
<laughs> maybe not Pippen, but you know, John Paxson on the, on the rare times when he had to hit the big shot, he hit the big shot and they won. So, okay. I mean, I came through, I had, I had my times, I of course would never get credit for anything like that, but it was fun. In fact, I think one summer we figured out that we'd be three pro bowlers, uh, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Robbie Gold. Uh, we beat, we beat, I can't talk. We beat a Stanley cup champion and Brian Noonan, former Blackhawk who won the Stanley cup with the Rangers. And we beat a pro soccer player, former pro soccer player, Robbie Gold's dad. So we kind of ran the, the gamut there, but uh, it, it was great. It was some good times. Um, it was funny. I mean, I'll never forget playing against Lance Briggs and Brian Erlacher. And as soon as Erlacher walked out on that patio, there were like 200 people watching us play. And it just, it kind of struck me what it was like living as Brian Erlacher. Anywhere he went or anything he did, he was followed by everyone. And just uh, it was just an incredible thing to see. So who matched up against Brian? Definitely not you. I actually matched up against Brian, which Yo. was a mistake because Brian was very good. And Lance, as a bags player, Lance was a great linebacker, let me just say. Yeah. So <laughs> Brian. So Bob, really Bob Laguerre took uh, Lance Briggs to, to town here, huh? Yes, he did. And I just, I remember Erlacher was not always playing within the rules. So one time when I went to shoot, he just, he like slammed his bag down on the board to try to startle me. And I just looked at him and I said, Brian, I have three kids. Nothing's going to scare me. And I just kind of sunk one in at that point. But Brian would get very frustrated because his partner wasn't really holding up his end of the bargain in those games. But we beat those guys. And uh, it was fun back then because a lot of the players played. I remember Alex Brown was really good. Patrick Manley was good. All of the specialists were really good. Robbie Gold, Brad Maynard, all those guys. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on, Larry, is just I think this training camp is already going to be different because we're not in Bourbon A for the first time in, in how many years? Like 15? What is it? When's the last? What was the I think they were in Platteville for 18 and Bourbon A for 18. So, so it was pretty much they've been going away to training camp since 1984. You know, they went, they went to Rensselaer, Indiana from the 40s through the 70s. Then they brought it back to Hallis Hall, the original Hallis Hall in 1975. But then the Bears started getting big, and Ditka wanted to move them out of town somewhere secluded, so they went to Platteville in 1984. But, yeah, you're right. It's been a long time since, since training camp's been held local. Yeah, so, so we're not going away for the first time, and now you have this pandemic, which will limit our access and limit how, how they do things. So reliving these days seems quite fun. I, I remember my first time there. In Bourbon A, I saw Roberto Garza take the entire offensive line to TJ Donlins for, I, I guess it was tradition, their, their annual, you know, pre-camp beer, I, I should have you. Kyle Long was was there. Uh, I guess Jamarcus Webb was there. I'm throwing out some some names here, but uh just seems like a, a, a different time in Bears history. Go, go back to, to Platteville. I mean, everybody remembers Bourbon A. A lot of fans have gone to Bourbon A, but Platteville... I mean, that's not an hour and a half drive. That's like going away to, to the woods of Wisconsin, is it not? Yes. I mean, it was a three-hour drive, and about half of that was on two-lane highways where you'd be driving 65, and all of a sudden you'd hit this tiny, small town. You would literally have to jam on your brakes so you'd get down to the speed limit because they made a lot of money off of you. I believe I had a speeding ticket in South Wayne, Wisconsin, where it went from, I think, 65 to 30, and like I said, you'd have to hit your brakes, but... Yeah, it was fun. There was a lot of camaraderie, I think. Um, the players back then generally went out more often. Uh, I personally like Bourbonnet better because there were a couple, one or two watering holes in Bourbonnet where everybody went. In Platteville, 
small town. There were about 14 on one block. So you'd always have about two or three people in each one. You'd always have a lot of the locals getting into some fisticuffs pretty much on a regular basis. That was pretty interesting up there. Um, it was also interesting to me that the town basically where there was all Packer fans, but then for a couple of weeks out of the year, they were turned into bear fans. And it was a lot different, both of you guys before you started, because back then when I started, I started going to Platteville in 2000 or er, in 1992, when I worked at the bear report, there were two a day practices and I'm talking hard hitting practices. Imagine the hardest hitting practices you could see now. And they did two of those a day. So we were basically out on the field as, as media members for five hours but there was no internet when I started. So there wasn't the demands of you had to get every story up immediately. And that left a lot more time to do things. I remember we had wiffle ball games, home run derbies. We even had a touch football game with the media. Um, a lot more stuff like that, a lot more time away from the actual writing and contributing stuff like that. But it was fun. I mean, it was easier to watch practice. There were hills everywhere. You could sit up on a hill. I remember they had a snow cone machine that I would hit pretty much every practice. Um, fun times like that. And, uh, <laughs> Not you know, you. When I started, there were still several members of, of the great bear teams of the 80s, including like William Perry and Steve McMichael and a lot of hijinks with those guys. And that was like six weeks long, right? I mean, like, well, he, yeah, I think, I think the longest was five and a half for six weeks, but yeah, you were up there and you didn't get back for a long time. It was, it was a, a real long time and it seemed a lot longer. My first year, I'll never forget. I think they were trying to make me pay my dues, but the way they had it was, I think they had all the media on the first floor, the female media members on the second floor. I'm talking about in a dorm and on the third floor, the top floor, it was like people that just showed up every once in a while. My first year, they gave me the third floor, which I may say was the only floor that did not have air conditioning. And it was just a brutal existence. But after that, I got a, I got a first, uh, first floor room, and uh, it was fun. Like I said, it was a lot of camaraderie. It was like being away at college. There were a lot of hijinks, and, and also the, the best prank of training camp that I've ever experienced happened in Platteville. Um, is this so, when the Bears signed Bob Link? Yes, it is. So if I could set it up for you, back then, like I said, they didn't, there was no email. So they didn't send out anything via email. Like if that happened today, if the Bears signed a player, we would all be notified by email. Back in the day, what they did was they would write out a press release, post it up on the wall of the dorm so everybody would see it. Well, Mark Silverman of Waddle and Sylvie, the best prankster ever in the media, he came up with an idea to make up a guy. And this was after... Kevin Butler left the Bears. So the Bears were bringing in a kicker like pretty much every week to try out. It was pretty much between Butler and Jeff Jager. And I think they had four different kickers in the camp that year. So it wasn't unusual that they would bring a kicker in. But Mark Silverman made up a thing that was so hilarious that everybody pretty much knew that it was fake. It was Bob O'Link from the Scottish Claymores of the NFL Europe League was coming in for a tryout. The Bears were signing him. Sylvie wrote it out. It wasn't typed out like the Bears release was, but it was on Bears letterhead. So he got a piece of Bears letterhead. He put it up in the, uh, in the dorm, and a couple of the reporters actually fell for it. One of the reporters went up to Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator, and said, what do you know about this old link kid? And Armstrong just looked at him funny. And another unnamed reporter actually went on the air on the Bears flagship and discussed that the Bears had signed Bob O'Link. So Bob O'Link shall live in infamy. And I know 
Um, that was one, I think that was Sylvie's greatest prank. And when Jay Cutler was on the Waddle and Sylvie show regularly, I always I talked to Jay at House Hall, and I tried to always get him to ask Sylvie about Bobo Link, but I guess it never came up. But that was, that was the greatest ever. That was a very funny, funny thing. And, and Sylvie was the best um, in, in terms of the pranks. He would call me and leave messages as Bears offensive coordinator John Shoup. Always a funny prankster, and uh, obviously I wish him well in his battle against uh, leukemia now that he's had. How many times was your golf cart stolen in Bourbon A? You know what? I told someone that you could tell training camp wasn't as fun because no one stole my golf cart like the last two years. Yeah. Um, so every year my golf cart gets, gets stolen a few times. Everyone always blamed Olin Krutz for it. Um, I'm not a really an avid golfer, so I didn't realize this, but – I didn't realize that if you had a golf cart key to one golf cart, it would start any golf cart. So basically all you needed was a golf cart key. And I often blamed Olin. I blamed Brad Biggs, who I know did it a few times. But the funny story I'll tell you is that Greg Olson, not the tight end, but the receivers or the quarterbacks coach, who now I believe is the coordinator, offense coordinator of the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he was the Bears' assistant coach back in the day, and the Bears announced that he wasn't returning to the team. So I called him to do an interview about him leaving, and we talked for about a half an hour. Most of it was off the record, just about the season. Right as we're getting off the phone, he goes, "Oh, Larry, I got to." He goes, "I got to tell you something. Uh, just one more thing." And I thought he was going to say something about like wishing me luck or something. He goes, "Remember back in training camp with your golf cart?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "That was me." So. <laughs> Greg Olson, the Las Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator, apparently was the culprit many times stealing my golf cart. And when I see him every year at the combine, we reminisce about that. But yeah, one time I found it um, in the in the drive through at Dairy Queen. Uh, I often found it at you know. In front are of are you sure that wasn't you after a late night? No, 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 no. I well, no, because I would go before it closed and then get back in time, of course. Um, but so I found it in some very strange, strange places. But uh, a lot of people help themselves in my golf cart. Well, the thing that happened that our listeners should know is in 2015, 2014 was our last year in the dorms. And then when the John Fox staff came in and, and uh, Ryan Pace too, because they increased the staff members so much, they needed more dorm space. And of course, the media we lost our dorm space, but Larry, you were still able to have a dorm as a team employee. So we all, the rest of us got where we used to just be able to on campus. And a lot of us would have golf carts and you certainly would have one. That's how we would get over to TJ Donlin's most of the time. And what happened was, is we're now staying sort of across town, not too far, but definitely driving in a car range. Uh, at a local hotel. And so now you have people driving, which of course is dangerous. So then all the shenanigans kind of went away because I mean, for, I mean, you know, we'd always have designated drivers and stuff, but the bottom line is people weren't staying out as late, which is probably a good thing, but all the shenanigans kind of went away. So I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, the best thing that ever happened to your golf cart was the media members getting kicked out of the dorms. Right. So yeah, you're saying the pool of, uh, of, people that could steal my golf cart uh, was greatly reduced by the media yeah. not being on campus. I think that's a very fair and accurate thing. But also for my, some of my fellow employees <laughs> would all, often help themselves uh, to my golf cart, not necessarily to be as a practical joke, 
but just as a convenience thing because they wouldn't have a golf cart and it was late at night and they said, hey, there's a golf cart there. I think I'll help myself to it. And that always obviously uh, ticked me off. But uh, sometimes I would have, you know, so I would have spies. I would have security people around campus as another set of eyes for me. And I would, uh, I had quite a undercover operation going there at one point where I would get reports about who took it. So pandemic aside, Bourbon A was uh, was already done. I mean, the Bears had already announced that training camps. Right. So they were already planning on that. It sounded like they were hoping to have still have some type of fan presence there before um, the pandemic. Now, obviously, that's changed, too. But uh, just what were your reactions to Bourbon A being, you know, kind of put in the rearview mirror and the Bears trying to bring training camp back, which really no surprise. It's kind of been trending that way for a while. It has. I think I wrote a story about, I can't remember the numbers, but I think there's only eight teams left out of the 32 that go away. And it was pretty much flipped like 10 years ago. So that is a trend. And you can completely understand it the way the Bears pretty much doubled their their facility in in terms of space. And it has all the creature. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's like a football palace with all this, all the high tech stuff they have there. So I completely understand that. Um, With that being said, obviously I'm going to miss Bourbonnet. Like I said, it's been fun. The people down there were great. I mean, I know you guys interacted with a whole bunch of people down there, and we were always welcomed, and, and people, the fans would always love talking football with us and asking us what we thought about different things and um, treating us really well. Like I said, down in Bourbon A, TJ Donlins, Dairy Queen, anywhere you went, um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So I'm really going to remember that part of Bears history very fondly, as I'm sure you guys will too. There are always a few – Fans, or I guess you could call them, well, volunteer security guards uh, that worked at, at Bourbon A, like people who read your stuff, saw you on TV, heard you on the radio, they would always say hi to you by name, ask you how you're doing, they're, how they're happy to see you again. I, I think I will miss that uh, about going down uh, to Bourbon A. It was always the same people. You know, there were fans that would stop you and take pictures with you every, every single year. I'm sure you took a lot of pictures there, uh, Mr. Larry Mayer slash assistant wide receivers coach when you did that for uh, a, a year. And I think we'll miss those interactions. And we know uh, Bears players had those interactions around town, like Jay Cutler, like going into the, to the Panera in Bourbon A. Uh, I know that a lot of guys went to the Chipotle a lot in, in the Bourbon A. Um, it's... It's going to be different. Uh, I understand it has to be different now because of all well, the investments made at House Hall. Then you have this pandemic we're all trying to, to, to get through. But yeah, I think some of the the bonds, whether it's team building uh, for them or, or staff members, even for us, like I'll miss going to get mall hibachi. I'll miss coming out to the field and busting your chops and, and stuff like that. Like those are certain memories that now will be replaced or just it's going to be different going forward. Well, I was going to say that, you know, Adam, especially you, Johns, Adam Johns, I know there's two Adams here. You busted my chops so much. It was fun to, to talk to some of the fans, to hear them say that they appreciate what you do and bringing them Bears news and they follow you on, you know, Twitter, Facebook or whatever. And uh, I always, and I love talking to the fans. Um, I grew up as a huge Bears fan. We all have our opinions about everything. And it was always interesting to hear fans tell you how they felt about different things and also inform them. And I, you know, in my role with the Bears website, I'm hopefully I inform and entertain them in some way. And I mean, let's face it, 
it's the NFL is obviously serious business, but this is football. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's not life and death. So um, I think that's a role that we all fill and, and we can all appreciate and, and it's fun for all of us. Even for, even for guys that don't know how to work zoom. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Pop, Pop just flat out gave up gave up on trying to figure out zoom i miss bob a lot this past year well i'll bring this i I wanted i wanted to ask bob about this but he's not here obviously but i think my favorite part about training camp last year was the night bob drove all the way down there for one night just to show up at tj's play bags and then i figured because he had made the trip all the way down there he was staying and all of a sudden he was gone and he drove all the way back home. I mean, that is commitment to your craft to be able to to make that trip I little crazy, but you know. I mean, I think we can all understand the fact that he was treated like a freaking king when he arrived in Bourbon. I I mean, I think I saw Adam Johns dropping rose petals at Bob's feet as he walked into TJ <laughs> Donlins. I mean it, Bob was treated like the Babe Ruth of bags that he is, and that's the name that I gave him, the Babe Ruth of bags. But I think any of us, if we had known that we could drive for an hour and be treated like that anywhere, we would all go do it. Yeah, I I, I will say it was quite amazing to see how much of a first-name basis that you guys were on with so many locals, not just the TJ Downlands, but like people who would go to TJ Downlands or people who would go to Brickstone. And it was... The, the same for the players, like seeing the players out and about, like socializing with the locals. And I, I, I guarantee you there were some undrafted free agents who were not as popular as Bob Laguerre was because of how many people <laughs> he ran in that, that board's table. Like everybody knew, knew uh, um, who, who Bob Laguerre was. And I guess, you know, who Judd Bushler slash Joe Klein was, you know, wow. Larry Mayer. Just, can't, but, even give, can't even give me John Paxson, huh? No, 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 I cannot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to miss seeing, you know, like when we got, when we, when we were no longer in the dorms, you know, I'm going to miss, I miss or not miss seeing, you know, Jeff Joniak set up his room. Like it was a bunker so he could do all his recordings. John Moon Mullen wearing his, um, like, I guess he's a doctor on the side, you know, with all the scrubs he, he owns. So one time I was, uh, gracing you guys with my presence. I was actually waiting for Bob uh, to go out. I came by, picked him up in my golf cart. Um, Bob always has what we call Bob time where he says he'll be ready at a certain time and it's always 15 minutes later because he's got to probably comb both of his hairs on his head. So it takes him a while to get ready. But so I'm sitting there and Moon, John Mullen, Moon walks out of his room and he's dressed head to toe in scrubs. I mean, he looks like he's going into surgery. I think he was actually scrubbing his hands getting ready for surgery and I'm just like looking at him and I'm just watching him he says hi to me like you know as if there's no nothing abnormal about walking around in scrubs and I'm like Moon what's up with the outfit he goes oh the scrubs he goes they're just comfortable I'm like okay so Bob and I actually joked that the our poll question on the Bears website the next day was what will Moon dress up as today will it be an astronaut a pirate or an Indian chief or something like that I don't know but it, yeah, it was fun. Like you said, we loved uh, we loved busting on each other, but it was all in good fun. Um, I think uh, everybody was there for each other. It, it was really interesting to me, um, just the the interactions with the media and how you know everybody, especially back in the day, had each other's backs. And uh, 
everybody kind of understood the situation everyone was in in terms of being away from their families and, and working. A lot of people don't think it's work to watch football, but with the internet now, we all know we're all working and writing and tweeting and Facebooking and all that stuff more than ever. I think the team, like the interactions are different too. You would see guys coming and going from, from lunch. Uh, for a while, we were having lunch in the the, the same cafeteria that, that, the, the, that the players were. Um, I'll remember a lot of the hijinks. Uh, Larry, you weren't on the email list that got us all scolded for moving the, the common area for furniture in, in the media dorm, but that's one of my lasting memories is, is coming home from TJ Donlins and pranking each other by stacking common area for furniture in front of other media members' doors. Um, I hope you at least blocked Joniak in his room. No, he busted us. Um, I, I still remember that. He was up late working, and he was recording stuff for the morning, and his door swings open as we're setting up this couch in front of his door. I think that that couch actually ended up being in front of Kevin Fishbane's door for, for overnight. And I remember hearing him in the morning trying to push it out of the way. Um, I think that is accurate. That it, uh, the furniture ended up piled in front of the Fishman's door. Fishman's, yeah, yeah. Yep. Kind of his uh, initiation into uh, Bears beer. <laughs> I, think that was his, I think that was his first year at the dorms, yeah. Well, I remember Jason Klobacha, I think that was his name, who was with the Berryport back in the day. And he had one of those, what are those things that you tie, like, stuff down on your trunk? Um, like the ele- elastic uh, type of deal. And uh, he did that to Joniak's door. And I believe when Joniak opened the door, he opened it so hard that the elastic thing came off and went full. Like, it would have, like, killed someone. But it just basically hit Jason's door. So it was, it was interesting. One of my favorite stories, and Larry, thanks for your time. We know you got to run here. Sounded like a total radio guy there. Um, was which player was it? Um, we were standing on the sideline, and he's taking a knee, kind of away from the rest of the team. And you're talking about something, and the player is just soaking this in, soaking in your knowledge that, that you're spewing on the sideline. And this player, I think it was Charles Tillman, turns on his knee and goes, "Man, shut up, Larry." <laughs> True story, right? I don't really remember that, but. It probably was Charles Tillman because I, I, he's probably the former Bears player that I'm closest with to this day. So there's a good chance it was Charles Tillman. But a couple of those things, I, I, I recall stuff like that happening once. I remember I, I was on a knee once and there was an errant pass and it went right to me and it kind of hit me. And I, I didn't really even try to catch it. And uh, I remember Lovey just laughing, Lovey Smith and laughing like what are you doing like you got to catch that that's right to you and another time I remember Brian the late Brian Robinson um rest his soul um he was in the middle of a drill and he saw me it just stopped right in the middle of the drill this is all in fun because I would, I would always tease him and he teased me back but um he just yelled my name and then uh I guess I could say this on the radio just gave me the finger like in front of everyone across the field just and he just started <laughs> laughing so it, it was good stuff and uh, very fun. A lot, of, a lot of things. You, you mentioned the uh, the assistant wide receivers coach. That was the most fun I think I ever had at practice. If people aren't familiar with this story, um, this was when Mark Trestman was the the coach of the Bears, and uh, Curtis Johnson needed help. Right, he was the receivers coach at the time. So we we're at training camp, and before we know it, we're all hitting each other and taking out our phones because there he is, Larry Mayer. Out there throwing passes to Elshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, 
And it wasn't just Josh once. Bellamy. No. It turned out to be like a regular thing during camp. No, yeah. Here's what happened. So it was actually when we went to New England to practice with the That's what I thought. And John Fox was the coach. Yeah. 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 Okay, John Fox yeah. the coach. Curtis John. Okay, was that still CJ though, right? Well, yes, Mark Tressman did not appreciate or identify my passing skills. So, so what happened was I was at our first practice out there and – during the special teams drills, the receivers that aren't on special teams, they just kind of take a knee. And Curtis Johnson, who was the, the receivers coach now with the New Orleans Saints, he would just do this thing where he would throw passes from about 10 yards away um, to one receiver at a time, you know, a couple up high, a couple sideways, a couple down their, their knees, just drills, working on stuff. And on the bus back to the facility, um, I said, hey, coach, just so you know, I, I saw your drills. Just so you know, I can I can spin it a little bit. I can throw passes. I go, especially ten yard passes where I don't have to move. I go, if you need any help, just let me know. I'm just standing there doing nothing. So that was the end of it. I didn't think anything would come of it. I wasn't going to say anything to him the next day and, and bug him. Um, so then, but I'm just standing there, and then it, all of a sudden it comes time for special teams drills, and he runs by me, grabs my shirt, he goes, "I need you, big guy, come with me." So I put down my you know, recorder, I put down my notebook, my roster, my sunglasses, and I went over and he had me throwing passes. Actually, the, mo- the most passes I threw were to Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White. And then the funny thing was, you guys all noticed, you guys started talking about it. And then later that practice, if you go back and look at the clips, Alshon and Kevin like destroyed the Patriots secondary. So everybody was joking about that. And I'll never forget my mother calling me the next day after she read the Sun Times and Adam Johns' notebook while she was sitting having her coffee, talked <laughs> at the fact that her son was throwing passes in training camp. Oh, all in due fun. I, I think that's right. So I, my memory uh, did not serve me well there. It, it was in New England. It was part of training camp, technically. Uh, I, I believe Adam and I actually asked Ryan Pace about that. I kept doing it when we got back to Bourbon A, so yes. technically it was yes. training No, you're right. We did. That was – we. We talked to Ryan Pace during, while we were in New England on that trip, and we had a conversation about that. He, he had a good yeah. kick out of that. I, yeah. I, yeah. He enjoyed I, it. Yeah. I know he used to he used to laugh about it with me. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Larry, thanks so much for your time. I don't know how long you have been on here with us. Uh, at least a half hour talking to us, and then another half hour as we tried to get Bob on the Zoom. So uh, you've given us plenty of time. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Larry. I had a great time. Like I said, it's always been fun being made fun of on the show, but I was glad to finally join you in person. So thanks for having me on. You got your own shots in. What goes there, around comes around. There, there he is, Larry Mayer, ChicagoBears.com. Lunch with Larry, Pernell McPhee's favorite uh, segment on ChicagoBears.com. All right, before we keep going, we got to take a time out to talk about our friends at Manscaped. And fellas, are you prepared to unveil... Your summer bod. I know you have to. (laughs) I I know Larry and Bob are. Yeah. yeah. The beaches are opening. The sun is shining. The bushes must be tamed. (laughs) Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. So they have this thing called the the Perfect Package 3.0 Kit. It comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof a cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You can adjust the settings to to what you like, stay on top of it for the entire summer. Uh, There's this crop cleanser, crop cleanser, to help your hair and skin be healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's good, healthy, 
for your chest hair. I don't have much. I don't think you have much. I don't know if that. I don't know for sure. But I mean, if if you have it, we are on a Zoom right now. I could I could show you if you you want to know. No, no, no. I'll stick with the script here. Uh, I can tell you what I'm going to be using this weekend, John's, though, because inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Okay, I'm going on a golf trip this weekend. It's still happening. Don't worry, all social distancing included. But when you play two rounds of golf three days in a row... The chafing becomes an issue, okay? So I can't wait to use this <laughs> stuff this weekend. It's going to be big. So here's what you guys do, all right? You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, it's a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. I should use those this weekend, too. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. All right, Johns, before we get out of here, and that was a fun conversation with Larry. It's too bad the uh, Bob thing didn't work out. Um, but Oh, we'll hold it on him, but yes. Oh, yeah, that's going to be... Held above Bob Laguerre forever. Um, there was a little bit of a, some news this week, some big news uh, regarding not a Bears quarterback, but a quarterback the Bears could have had, and Patrick Mahomes. A contract extension potentially worth half a billion dollars. Just insane money. A unique contract, um, quite frankly, but... One that I think made sense for both sides. Yeah, yeah. Ten year extension, five hundred and three million, four hundred and seventy seven million in in guaranteed mechanisms. I think that's how uh, they're phrasing it, just in terms of how the contract is constructed. I knew once that I saw Adam Schefter's tweet. Um, it's almost any quarterback news that ever comes about in the NFL these days, uh, good or bad. Once Schefter tweets the news that the contract has been signed, you know, everybody's looking for the numbers, you just knew that Mr. Trubisky's name, that Ryan Pace's name, <laughs> were going to go viral again. And I don't know what you make of it. I think some of the jokes have, have just gotten bad. I'm not even going to try to defend the, the draft selection here. But, um, you know, I think there were nine other teams, eight other teams that passed on Patrick Mahomes too, uh, teams that – need quarterbacks or have changed quarterbacks since then as well. Um, but, yeah, the Bears will always be held to, to, to this, and this was another day for them to live through a couple of their, well, their GM and their quarterback to go through another viral <laughs> situation. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and, and you know, it's just going to keep continuing. Um, you know, Dak Prescott's another guy that all teams passed on, including the Cowboys, a few times before they finally drafted him. Okay, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, but he's yes. going to get paid eventually. And uh, I don't think I'll, I'll, people who have texted me about this, I don't think Dak Prescott or even Deshaun Watson, for that matter, are going to get close to what this is. For, oh, for they Mahomes. No, no, it's, and they and they're just different conversations. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl. He's got the MVP, does he not? It's just, it's different. 
Yeah, it's just the Patrick Mahomes thing, it just hurts so much because he is obviously just an he, I think he's going to go down as one of the best players of all time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking like maybe Mount Rushmore of NFL players. That's yes, how good he yes, can be. Yes. And so this contract that the Chiefs did to lock him up for what will be at least 12 more years is insane. Um, not insane. It makes a ton of sense, but just insane that it actually happened. And I think it's a smart move. And I, you know, the question is, though, and this is where I want to go to. And this, look, the, you'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. No question about yeah. it. That's not what this debate is about. But when you have a quarterback making that much money, it has also got to be part of the conversation. Is how do you, with the salary cap, keep enough pieces around to win multiple championships? You know, part of the reason why Tom Brady's relationship, I think, in New, New England soured to the point where he left was because he was actually sacrificing money. In, he's win. still getting paid plenty, but... He was taking less to help the team around him. And, of course, the Patriots do a bunch of other smart things well um, to, to win six championships. But I, I'm, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm a little skeptical that the Chiefs, as good as they are and as good as Patrick Mahomes can cover up other deficiencies, I, I don't know right now. I think they'll probably win at least one more, uh, maybe two more. But I'm not sure they're going to be a Patriots-like dynasty because the Patriots do a lot of other things than just uh, you know, not pay their quarter and and in this case the Chiefs did pay their quarterback a ton of money. It's just, it's going to be interesting to watch over this next decade. Right, so so they're in this. You talk about win now windows, so they're definitely in a win now window right now with uh, all of their best players except maybe Chris Jones under contract. And this other thing, Chris Jones, their outstanding defensive tackle. Did he not like a week ago threaten to sit out this season without a long term contract? So. I don't know how that plays out for him. Um, obviously, the quarterback, uh, if you have a special one like Patrick Mahomes, you know, like you're, you you can, like you, you see it with the Patriots. You're going to lose good players. It happens. You can't keep everybody. But I'm sure the Chiefs would still like to keep uh, uh, Chris Jones. But in terms of, like, their offensive talent, I think a lot of these guys are under contract. I don't think their salary cap situation because of the construction of Mahomes contract. I don't think it gets precarious for another couple of years. So they're in it. They're going for the repeat and they're going to go for the three-peat if they if they get it. They're in that win now window. We'll see if it happens. We know it's tough to repeat in the NFL. It's tough to even get to the playoffs in consecutive years in the in the NFL. I think us in Chicago know that extremely well, but yeah, it's it's I think we have this conversation with or about every team when a quarterback gets his big contract. You know, like with the Saints, with the Packers, it's how do you continually reinvest uh, in uh, around that quarterback to maintain uh, a competitive elite team when you have an elite quarterback? So that's where the Chiefs are now in that discussion. Well, look, it, the best way to win a Super Bowl is to have a quarterback like that. Yep. Okay, that's that's the best way to do it. But it's also been shown that you can do it without somebody that good. Um, you know, there's a guy that happens to be on the Chicago Bears right now that won a Super Bowl just a few years ago uh, and put the Eagles on his back, and that was a well-rounded team. So I guess the point is um, it's always going to suck that the Bears did not draft Patrick Mahomes or even Deshaun Watson, but I just when you see all that money tied up into one position – 
there are other, it does not mean the Bears are not going to be able to compete. And they got enough money tied up with Khalil Mack that they're already kind of positioned where I don't know that they would have been able to give Patrick Mahomes this type of contract. Yeah, well, well, they're in a different. I feel like that's a. I'll always contend that if John Fox's Bears, John Fox's Bears drafted Patrick Mahomes, I, maybe the conversation is a bit different. Is is Mahomes has he proven to be better than Trubisky? Absolutely, but Andy Reid wasn't here. Like Matt Nagy himself wasn't here yet. Um, he didn't. Hey, Tyreek Hill wasn't here. Travis Kelsey wasn't here. Like there are so many things. Like Alex Smith wasn't here to 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 help him and tutor him for for an entire year. Instead, he he would have had Mike Glennon. It's just the situation still matter. I'll always contend that should the Bears have taken Mahomes with the the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, probably, absolutely. But the situations that were here were just compared to what they had in in Kansas City. They were just vastly different. Um, you always have to take that into consideration. It's so easy to look back now and say, "Oh, he should have drafted." You know, they should have drafted him. But you know what? You know, maybe John Fox is still here, and we're having different dialogue about different things. You know, it's just uh, a very layered discussion that involves more than you know correcting a wrong. You know, with a draft selection. All right. Well, in the end, it was inevitable that Mahomes was going to get a huge contract. Uh, it, it's it's. It's a crazy contract, but uh, it's one he deserves, and the Bears' situation doesn't really change no matter how much money Mahomes gets. They still need to figure <laughs> out how to win uh, with what they have now, and I do think they will be competitive this what, what, season. One more thought on the, the Mahomes thing before we go. I think one of the best ways to view it is like Aaron Rodgers. Transcendent talent, but you better win more than one Super Bowl with that transcendent talent. I think that's where the the Chiefs are right now. Um, I think that's a narrative the Packers have been battling for for a bit now. Um, so we'll see what happens. Again, they're in this win now window. Um, the Packers were in one not too long ago. Didn't work out for them. We'll see what the Chiefs and Mahomes can do. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we are getting closer to training camp a couple weeks away. Hopefully, cross your fingers. There's still a lot of things that need to be worked out. I think. Those will be discussions that we'll have next week on the Hogan Johns podcast. Johns won't be here, though. He's going on vacation. The I'll fish be golfing man. myself. Nice. Nice. Uh, Kevin Fishbane will I'll be bring my manscape stuff. I'm telling you, you're good. Out there on the golf course, that stuff's going to be good. Uh, if you can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. And read us. I am at NBCSportsChicago.com. John's as at The Athletic right here on The Athletic app, if that's where you're listening to this podcast. You can even read his stuff while you're listening to the podcast within the app. So you should be subscribed. If you're not subscribed, go to TheAthletic.com slash Hogan John's. You should be subscribed. That's the place to do it. And we appreciate all of our loyal subscribers. Thanks to Larry Mayer for coming on. Thanks to Bob Laguerre for trying to come on unsuccessfully. We'll get him on. <laughs> Sometimes the effort counts or, or not. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Yep. Jesus, he makes me look like a f- Bill Gates. <laughs>